Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Good morning, guys. Hey, I, 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 I just want to say, out of all the churches you could have come to on a Sunday morning, I am honored that you chose Legacy Church. I just think it's, you know, it's just awesome. So hand clap, hand clap for you, hand clap for you. This is something um, I try to say as often as possible, but you belong here. Way before you ever start believing or behaving the way that you should, you belong here. You belong in the house of God. And I am just so excited to just be able to continue this series with my wife. This, you know, this is a first for us, and I, you know, I'm just extremely excited to be here. And I just think it's phenomenal that Pastor Brett and Pastor Lisa trust those under them to just continue to spread the good news of the Lord. But whether you're a first-time guest or maybe you've been coming a while, I'm just going to introduce myself because you're probably wondering who in the world are these people sitting in front of me. I'm Ashley. Not Ashley, Ashley. It's, it's a little different, but I'm from Texas, born and raised. I believe Texas is the best nation in the world, and everyone should visit. Uh, my mom and dad watching are agreeing with me. And so I'm, you know, uh, me and my wife moved up here to Virginia last May, and so we're excited to see spring happening. And, uh, but, but, but yeah, it's, it's funny, but it's true. It's true. But that's who I am. And I'm Jordan. Tell you guys that a few of you might not know is that I'm actually not from Texas. <laughs> I think with marriage you get that um, oneness and that association. And hey, I'm, I'll take it. But I am a Louisiana native. <laughs> I'm a Cajun gal, and um, but I did marry this Texas guy. Um, we met in high school at a church camp. And parents, if you didn't know, that's why we've been pushing for your students to go to church camp this whole time. That's a joke, obviously. We are going to be trying to refrain and push aside any relationships. Youth, I see y'all don't get anything in your minds. Um, But we did meet there. Things didn't start there. They started after high school where the power of social media allowed him to... um, Just, yeah. um, Be kind, be kind. Go hard after my messages and, hey, how are you? Praying for you. We are married now. So Anything short of, I love you, will you marry me, basically entered my messages. And so years later, here we are today, and um, I am so honored to be beside this man of God right here. So we're so blessed that you guys are here this morning, <laughs> and um, we're ready. Yeah, I mean... Number one, if you're in this room and you're single, or maybe you're, you're looking for someone, or maybe you're wanting to date, find someone who loves the Lord. 
just loves the Lord. That's something I don't have to question about my wife is I know she has a relationship with Jesus. I know she hears from Jesus, and I don't have to drag her to church. Um, and so if, if that's you, that's, 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 that's my one piece of advice is find someone who loves the Lord, genuinely loves the Lord. And so I'm blessed. I'm blessed with you. Sweet. But let's, let's go ahead and hop right into this, you know, I'm tired of laughing and all this stuff. But Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 1 through 7. I just want to read this real quick and try to paint this picture. Um, Kevin, you're lucky I'm sitting down because it's taken everything in me to want to just run around. But Matthew 5, 1. Jesus, Jesus is here. This is his opening statement to a sermon. He says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Uh, the, the Beatitudes continue. Um, that's something that, that, that we're going to be continuing. But me and Jordan are going to focus on verses 6 and 7. But just a little backstory on what, it, on, on what is happening I, I know last week Cody had mentioned who Jesus was talking to. And in chapter 4, right before, we saw all these people getting healed and these sick people just started following Jesus. And historically, this sermon on the mount took place in March, in the spring. And it happened in a beautiful place. Can we put this picture up? This is where this happened. Isn't this just, like, phenomenal? This, is, this isn't questioned um, by theologians. This is agreed upon. And there's actually a church on this mount. Uh, if, if, if you were to Google it, you, you'd, you'd be able to see it. But Jesus took them to this beautiful place. And all these people were following. And, you know, at least for me, I like to think of Jesus thinking about where he's going to go, what he's going to do, what he's going to see. And so Jesus takes him on this side of a mountain with this beautiful sea behind him. And he says these words. And I, I just want you all to take a deep breath today because this is the house of God and the kingdom of God is good and only good. You know, and so let's let's just relax and just receive what we have to say this morning. But I'm just going to pray over us, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and hop right in. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another Sunday, for another opportunity to just to get to know you more, to know you better, Lord. I just pray for ears to be open and for hearts to be softened. Uh, I just pray that, that uh, you would take us out of the way and, 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 and just let everyone see you for who you truly are, Lord. Um, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, so we're going to start in uh, Matthew 5, 6, from where Cody and Sierra left off last week. And so we're going to read that. Um, it says, blessed are those, well, yes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Oh, you're fine. You're completely okay. I'm not the one having to do it, so. <laughs> okay, here we go. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Or another version says, they will be filled. I love that, just like Ashley was explaining, is that Jesus took these people 
And these poor, these broken, these people who were needing healing that he had healed up on this mountainside. And he's saying, hey, let me have a conversation with you. Let me talk with you. When we think about words and we think about Jesus, we think about our Savior, we serve a God. We serve Jesus who came as a man. He, he didn't stay as um, a God on a throne, but he came and chose to come as a baby and be born on this earth. And he knows, like no other, what it is like to be where you are, sitting in your seat right at this moment. That's the Jesus that we serve. And when he was saying this scripture, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. He's saying, I know what it's like to be hungry and thirsty. He's not saying these words that are so far detached and we're grasping at straws trying to understand what he's saying. But each of us right now, we could be in this right now. We could be hungry. We could already be ready for that 12 o'clock to hit and to go grab lunch at Tokyo or wherever you're planning to go. But we've all been there. We've all been hungry, and we've all been thirsty, and so had Jesus. Previously in the chapter before this, Jesus was on a 40-day fast. And it says when he finished that fast, he was hungry. And I don't know about you, but I mean, power to the man, because 40 days, has anybody done a 40-day fast with no food or water? I'm just wanting, because you can come up here and take this seat and give the message if you have. Okay. So, I mean, what a God, first of all. So he's introducing this, and he's saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled First off, we have to understand that this is a Jesus. This is a Savior who wants to get down on our level, that wants to look you in your eyes and say, I'm not telling you to not be hungry and thirsty. I'm saying I'm going to be with you right where you are, and we're going to walk to that next step. I'm going to fill you as you walk with me. So as we unpack this verse, I just want to go into what it looks like to be hungry and thirsty. So when we think about those words, I don't know what comes to your mind, but one of mine is angry. I'm sure y'all have heard the term hangry before. So in our marriage, one of the things that I have come to learn, um, we've been married for a little over a year now is that there are just times when having a deep conversation is just not worth it. And one of those times is when this awesome guy right here is hungry. <laughs> we, can be, we can just be having a normal conversation, and then all of a sudden it just, maybe there's a tone or a negative you know, emotion, and I sit back and I'm like, Okay, okay, you're, you're hungry. No, no, I'm not hungry. I'm not, no, let's talk about this. No, we're not going to talk about this <laughs> until you get some food. Because there's something about fulfilling that hunger that really changes us. It, it takes us from that place of being vulnerable. When we are in a place of hunger, we start to experience vulnerability where we really become a person who we really don't want to be, that person that we, we tried to hide or we thought that we got saved from. 
<laughs> That's who starts to come out when we get hungry. Another thing about being hungry is we, we, have, we experience emptiness. And I don't know about you guys, but I think about little children just that come and they, Mom, I'm hungry. You know, they can't, they can't fill their hunger themselves, so they just ask and they ask and they ask. And you're like, we're not there yet, honey. If I had food, you know, you would have it, but I don't have it. But there's that incessant need, that begging, saying, I'm hungry. Feed me. I remember as a kid, anywhere we would drive, you know, my dad had dad jokes, like I'm sure many of you have. Um, but I remember we would be in the back seat, and we, there we would go. I'm hungry, Dad. I'm hungry. Oh, my gosh. He'd be like, well, nice to meet you, hungry. I'm Barry, you know. And I'm like, oh, not this. You know, just just answer me. Just feel what I need. And, you know, even a homeless person, that person who's on the street that's begging for food, they never wanted to be there. They never wanted you to have to see this side of themselves. And chances are that they weren't at one time. Chances are they were just like us sitting in our seats and something terrible happened to them and put them in a position to need something. They became empty. And so when we are talking about being filled with what God has for us, we have to start from a place or sometimes find ourselves at a place where we are hungry and thirsty, where we are empty, where we are vulnerable. I know that a lot of times in different seasons of your life, you'll run into emptiness. You'll run into vulnerability where that healing isn't there or that that traumatic event happens and you had no idea that it was going to occur or your, your finances run out because you know, hey, it's tax time, and you had no idea that you had to pay in taxes this year, or whatever it is, we can meet, we can find ourselves in those places of emptiness and vulnerability, where we have to choose, am I going to go and look for something else to fill me, or am I going to be seated and rest in who God is and expect for him to fill me, expect for his truth to fill me. I know that we've had people in our church that have really been going through a rough time. Um, and in those moments where you're wondering, what's the next day going to look like? What's the next hour going to look like? That's an empty, vulnerable place. And in those moments, Jesus meets us right there. He meets us there. These people that he was preaching to were absolutely broken. They were, some of them were mangled by leprosy. Some of them um, were born, born with diseases and ailments. Some of them were poor, mostly because of these ailments, and they couldn't work and um, have any financial backing. So these people that Jesus is communicating to, he's saying, you have nothing. You're hungry and you're thirsty, but I will fill you. And he wasn't just talking about healing them. He wasn't just talking about giving them natural food, even though we saw him do that, and he can. But he was saying the root of your problem, the root of where you've been 
and what you've seen out of your life, the root, the emptiness, the vulnerability that you can't be the astute person, that you can't be the person that you want to show off to the world, that you constantly feel like you're not good enough or you have to hide yourself, that brokenness. He's saying, I want to meet you and fill you right there. And so John 6.35 tells us, It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You see, guys, when when we're questioning, man, am I going to get through this? Is this emptiness ever going to subside? Am I ever going to feel like I'm complete and, and, and filled? We have this promise. Can you keep that up there, please? In John 635. That he's the bread of life. That he's not this bread. Then you go to Olive Garden and you're already asking for the waiter again. I don't know why they don't bring enough. Like, I mean, they know we're going to eat like three containers. I mean, come on. But it's like they put the three breadsticks on there. And I'm like, look, just go ahead and bring me some more. Um, But that's who Jesus is. He's that bread of life. He knows that we're going to run out again. He knows that we're going to hit another obstacle. I know it's so easy to feel like um, in moments where... Maybe you, you, you've thought you've reached like the epitome of life and you're like, yes, I just got married or yes, I just had my first kid and I was waiting forever and he's perfect or, or, or yes, um, I just got that promotion and you're like, you know, doing your happy dance and everything. But Jesus knows that the way life goes, that's not, that's not sustenance for us. That can't really do anything that will keep us going, that will keep us successful, that will keep us rooted in who he is. It's him alone as the bread of life that when we come to him, we're not going to hunger. We're not going to be empty. We're not going to be vulnerable. And when we believe in him, we're not going to thirst. We're not going to feel dry and weary because he is the one who wants to fill us. So I just want to ask you guys, when you're in those situations, are you going to trust for him to fill you? Or are you going to go back to that thing? Or are you going to um, choose other situations? I know for me, um, this morning was a very difficult morning. Um, I've been trusting the Lord for years to heal me of um, some women issues. And for the last two months, things were great. And I was like, man... God's healed me. And then this morning, it was very difficult to have that come again. And we all go through situations like that where you've expected healing and your marriage is on the up and up and you're, you're, you're going forward and you're climbing that mountain and then all of a sudden the boulder comes down and knocks you down and you experience emptiness again. But he's right there. He says, I know what it's like to be hungry and thirsty. I know what it's like to be empty and vulnerable. And that's where I'm going to fill you. And that's where I'm going to meet you. And in those moments of pain, when I enter into his presence and I, I start singing worship, I feel peace even over my body. 
And so even in those moments, even if I'm not coming into it completely healed, I know that I speak Jesus in those moments and he fills me. I know that when that emptiness is there and it's in my face and I can't get it away and I can't find the bread, I can't find the the relationship, I can't find the thing to fill me, that Jesus is that because what his words are, they're true. They're the truest thing that you'll ever find to, to your heart that will make sense. It's the deepest thing when you search it out and you're saying, I can do this. So another thing as we move forward is that we have the opportunity to take this and to live a life of being truly filled So once Jesus comes in and we're in that spot of brokenness, we're in that spot of vulnerability, and he comes and fills us, what do we do? You know, do do we share our testimony? Do do we go and love on others? Or do we take what's been given to us and, and take that next step and go outward? It's easy to, oh, it's not always easy, but it can become, as a Christian, easy to, you know, in my room, in my situation, to believe that God's going to come through for me. But do I have enough faith that I believe God's going to come through for my friend? That I believe that God is going to heal my family? That I believe that God is going to um, take the darkest and broken people and make them whole? Do I believe that? So in Matthew 25... It's 31 through 40. I'm not going to read it all, but if you guys want to go back and study it, um, it's a scripture, and Jesus is saying, he's talking to people, and it says that he has went and he separated the goats from the sheep. So basically what that means is those that say they are Christians and those that act as Christians but don't fully have a relationship with Jesus. So he separated those two people, and this is talking about what's going to happen one day. So, you know, out of all of us in this room, I hope that we really have that true relationship with Jesus and we're in that same group. But it says the only thing that this scripture gives us as a separation from those two groups is that one, they, they fed the hungry, that they were there for the, the orphan and the widow, that they um, visited people in prison, that they loved that they, when someone was thirsty, they gave them something to drink. And these people, they were confused when Jesus said this. And Jesus, they said, when did we do this? We never saw you. We never saw you hurting. And Jesus said, when you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. And so as we live this life of being filled, of, of being blessed, when we meet emptiness and vulnerability, when Jesus fills us, we have a decision to make. We don't stop there. I think that's, it's beautiful to know, yeah, God's going to fill me and in my times of brokenness. And some of you might be looking at me like, Jordan, I'm so broken right now. I really don't think I have anything to give anyone else. Let me tell you that there is more healing and more fulfilling that will happen more fulfillment that you will feel in your life from the Holy Spirit. When you say, yeah, I'm broken, but I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to go out of my way, and I'm still going to 
I'm still going to eat. I have $5. You need something to eat. I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you. It's being in that place of brokenness and vulnerability, knowing and trusting that what Jesus said in John 6.35, that he's the bread of life, is true for me. It's true for you. And so that as we go out today, um, I just want you guys to remember that there's, there's an amazing journey just wrapped up in Matthew 5.6. There's a journey of, of brokenness to fulfillment and then to, to, to the beauty of sharing that to the world and that others that are broken, that you come and show them the Jesus that they are looking for and that they are needing. That's so good. That's so good. Matthew 5, 7 was our next verse in, in this, in this two-verse breakdown. And it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Kind of tagging off of what Jordan just ended on whenever these people were asking Jesus, you know, I don't remember doing that for you. And Jesus said, well, when you were doing it for others, you were doing it for me. And so Matthew 5, 7, it said, blessed are the merciful. If we can throw that back up there. For they shall receive mercy. And so whenever I first read this verse, one of the things I love to do is, number one, figure out who is Jesus talking to? Why is he talking to them? And why is he saying what he's saying? And so we already talked about who he's talking to. And, and now we're starting to break down, why is he saying these things? And so he starts this, this stanza. I'm not sure if that's the proper word. I'm not very educated. Um, <laughs> Uh, of, of Matthew 5, but all of them start with blessed. What does this word blessed mean? And essentially, it's just happy. You're, you're happy within your heart. And I know a lot of you are like, well, is that joy or is that happy? No, joy is something that sustains you for a long time. A blessing is something that God gives to you in that moment that you can turn and thank God for it. And so he says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. And, you know, I was trying to understand, like, what's the point of this, Jesus? Why are you saying this to people who are hurting and broken, who need you, but for some reason you're telling them to go out and be merciful when they're coming to you asking for mercy? But if, if, if we were to fast forward to Matthew 9, 13, we see Jesus makes this statement. Jesus is, is calling Matthew, the tax collector, the, the gentleman who actually wrote this book. And so he says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but the sinner. And I love that Jesus says, go and learn what this means. Because if you remember at the beginning of Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, he says that his, his, he, he called his disciples up to him when they came up to him on the side of this beautiful, green, luscious mountain with, with you know, the waves crashing behind him. You know, I'm just picturing Jesus with the wind in his hair, you know, kind of like a, like a shampoo commercial, you know, suave. What's it called? Suave. <laughs> I don't buy my shampoo. Um, you know, and, and, and so Jesus, it's 
fine. Moving on, moving on. And so Jesus is there, and he's stating these things, and he's saying, blessed, blessed, blessed. And all of them are there learning. It says Jesus is teaching them something because these are life principles. And this is something Jesus continues to echo throughout his three years of ministry. And he says, I desire mercy. This is my heart. This is who I am. This is the core of me. And mercy, what the true definition of what mercy is, mercy isn't you're getting beat up and then they just stop and not beat you up all the way. That's not mercy. That's, that's, that's punishment. The, the definition of mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown from someone who has the power to punish or harm. In a cleaner sense, a desire to relieve suffering. It's his desire for things not to happen to you. And Jesus is saying, this is who I am. I desire this from you. I desire to give you mercy because where you are right now, how you're feeling, how you're walking, how you're talking, and if it's not at the heart of God, if if you don't feel that joy, that blessed deep within you, I desire to give it to you. And so Jesus is rattling off all of these statements to these people who are sick, who are broken, who are confused, and are just looking for the king of the Jews that they believe is going to give them political freedom, this elite status, this money, this fame. But Jesus said, I desire mercy. And if you notice something about Matthew 5, 1, 1, I think it's 12. I I can't remember the, the full length of the Beatitudes. But there's a reality. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Man, if you're mourning right now, if you know someone who's mourning, that's real. And it's hard. And it's tough. Blessed are the meek. If you're meek right now, it is real and it is tough. And he goes on and he states these things that are really happening to you. But he follows them with the truth. You see, because there's things that are happening and there's things that can happen to you with God. You know, you can mourn and you can mourn for a long time. It is okay to mourn. Uh, You know, I encourage those to mourn. Take however long you need. But if you mourn with the Lord, there is a truth. There's a truth that follows that. If you are meek, there's a truth that the Lord wants to give to you, that he wants to give you, that only he can give. And that's what I love about the Beatitudes. And I love that Matthew 5 says, blessed are the merciful. If you are someone who is walking in a reality where you are giving mercy, where, where you are pulling back a punch, where you are holding your words, where you are, there is a truth that the Bible says. It says, you shall receive mercy. From the Lord. And so I think it's interesting to understand that Jesus, number one, he's echoing the Father's heart. That's that's all Jesus ever did, was Jesus is and was everything God wanted to say about himself. And secondly, is Jesus is teaching us to do the same. You see, the Beatitudes, number one, he's encouraging. He's giving them this hope, this new truth. But he's also, if if you remember, it says he's teaching them, which means this is something they're having to learn. That way they can go and do. 
Um, I don't know if anyone here has ever been in a college class, but you listen and you listen intently and you take a bunch of notes because you know maybe one day I might have to apply this to my life. I might have to go out and do this in a real world job or, or, or maybe a trade school. If, if you're not paying attention to what you are being instructed, there's going to come a moment and a time in your life to where you're going to be like, man, I don't know what to do. And there's going to be people counting on you, you know, and so Jesus is instructing them ways of life because he knows life is tough. Hebrews tells us that we have a Savior who, who is compassionate with us because he walks through the things we walk through. And so Jesus is teaching them these important principles. And I just want to try to wrap this up in Matthew 7, 24. And so Matthew 5 is the start of a sermon. Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, is actually just an introduction it's, it's the start of something beautiful, and it goes on in chapter 6, in chapter 7, and this is a full sermon. This, this is, if you were to open your Bibles and turn to Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's just red. That's all it is. It's just red letters, because this is a sermon that Jesus is giving, a class, a lecture. He is teaching on the side, and this, the Beatitudes, is the introduction, and if you know anything about an introduction, or if you've ever missed the beginning of a movie, the rest of the movie is really confusing. You're just like, wait, what? Wait, who, who is that? Why are they there? What are they doing? And so Jesus is setting the tone. He's creating this beautiful canvas with the Beatitudes. And then he ends it in Matthew chapter 7. And it, it says here, and, and, and I'm sure some of you have, have, have heard this, this parable, but Jesus says, everyone then, who hears these words of mine. And this is the closing of this sermon. Everyone then who just heard um, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. Um, and I encourage you to read it in, a, in our young adult group here at Legacy that meets on Monday nights. It's funny, every time we, we, we open a book of the Bible, um, it's just kind of something I've caught myself saying. If you haven't read this, I highly encourage you to. Um, and something I say to our youth all the time is read your Bible. And maybe you're here today and you're looking for the mercy of God. Or maybe you're looking for a touch of God. Or maybe you're looking to hear from God. Church is a beautiful place because there's a lot of beautiful people here. And secondly, there's a lot of broken people who know the perfect Savior. And maybe you're coming here and people have hurt you. But God didn't. Maybe a church has hurt you, but that wasn't God. And so I, I just know some of you are here, and, and, and you're hearing these things, these instructions, these lessons that Jesus is saying, and he is still echoing, but you're still wondering, where am I in this picture? Because I feel like I don't really know the Lord, or I can't hear the Lord, or, you know, I encounter these people who talk to God, and they hear from God. And maybe you're in a place where you're like, I want to hear from God. Read your Bible. Just, just, just open up a page and read your Bible, and I promise the Bible is the only book in the world that when you read it, it reads you. Whenever you read your Bible, I promise you're going to receive something from the Lord. But back to Matthew 7, that was a little side note. Everyone then who hears these words and does them, not just hears them and is like, yeah, that was awesome. You know, Sunday was great. I'm going to go ahead and leave these doors. I'm going to go back to my job on Monday, and I'm just going to be mad, and, and I'm going to be mad at them for what they said to me, and, and, and I'm just not going to give them mercy, you know, because they deserve it. 
Who are you? Are you God? Because last I checked, the creator of the universe, the king of the world, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords said, I desire mercy. That is who he is. And so who are we as a group of believers to gather on a Sunday morning and feel good about ourselves, but go out into the world and leave the four walls of the church and not give mercy? The Bible says don't give, you know, it's not saying give mercy to those who give mercy to you. Give, you know, give mercy to the person who comes. No, he's saying give mercy to the one that you don't want to. To the person that you feel deserves every last bit of your rude words, of those mean things that the devil places deep within your heart because he doesn't want people to experience the love of God. You see, as we leave these walls of the church, as we leave here, sometimes, just maybe, we might be the only Bible someone ever reads. Our actions, the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we look, the way we cry, the way we hug, the way we hold someone, and just let them know that Jesus desires mercy for your life to hold back this eternal punishment, this separation from God, this hell that is real. His desire for you is to save you and pull you up. You see, man, I'm sorry, Jordan. I'm, I, I just feel the Lord. I just feel the Lord. You see, Jesus, when he was walking on the water, and, you know, I just love Jesus because he played a prank on his homies. You know, they're all out there. It's 3 in the morning, and Jesus like, you know what? I'm going to walk out there and boogly woogly. You know, that's what he does. But he walks out there on the water, you know, and he's out there, and the waves are going, so Jesus is just walking. You know, and all of a sudden Peter sees him like, oh, my gosh, it's a ghost. But Peter goes out there and he's like, man, if he's walking on water, I want to walk on water. If he's giving mercy, I want to give mercy. If he's righteous, I want to be righteous. If he's walking in the promises of God, I want the promises of God. But what does he do? He falls into the water and he starts sinking. He feels empty like Jordan was talking about. And he doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know who he is anymore. Because a second before, he was trusting God. He was living right from God. And then the next second, what was he doing? Drowning. In the presence of the Lord, he was drowning. And you know what the Lord did? The Lord's still standing on the water. Still standing in the midst of your chaos. The Bible doesn't say the Lord got in the boat. And then he reached over. Come on, Peter. Uh, get in here. No, he was still standing on the water. And he just reaches down. What are you doing, man? I'm right here. And then he throws him in the boat. <laughs> the only way Jesus can. I, you know, I picture Jesus Jack because I bet Peter was heavy. But that's what Jesus does for you. Because he desires mercy. He didn't pick Peter up and push him back down. Why'd you stop believing? Oh, you have little faith. (laughs) That's not the heart of God. It's funny because that's that's how we picture him. It's three in the morning. It's dark outside. Peter doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know how far the boat is. The Bible says, I desire mercy. So if that's you today and you feel like God's mean, God's hateful, God's judgmental, God hates the world, God, no, 
For God so loved the world. It's simple. The gospel is pure. The gospel is clean. That God desires every person to be saved through Jesus Christ, through what he did, through the way he walked and talked to remind you that God is good and nothing else. I promise I'm going to finish this first. (laughs) Everyone then who hears these words of mine, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. On the rock. That it won't be shaken. That it won't flood. That waters won't take it out. The Bible never says floods wouldn't come if you're built on the rock. The Bible doesn't say that winds won't come if you're on the rock. No, it just says if you're on the rock, you won't be shaken. Because there's going to be a reality followed by a truth of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so I encourage you this week to go about reading Matthew 5 and realize, man, this is real to me. But what does God want to make this to be? And I read the second half of that verse, and you'll see God's heart. And so if you're in this room and you're looking for mercy, I just want to create an opportunity for you to receive the Lord and to receive mercy like no other. And so I'm going to pray two prayers. I'm going to pray that one first. And secondly, I'm going to pray for us as a community of believers to be able to walk and talk more like Jesus. So if you're in that first group and you want to give your heart to God, if you're craving mercy today and, 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 and you just feel like you're sinking and everything's around you is just breaking and you're empty inside and you're looking for this fulfillment, I want to pray for you. So if that's you in this room, I, I just encourage you to, to raise your hand. And the only reason I ask you to raise your hand, you know, that's, that's not the staple of salvation. It just makes it more real to you what's happening on the inside is happening on the outside. So if that's you in this room, I just want to pray for you real quick. If you, would, if you would raise your hand, if you would raise your hand, I see your hand. I see you. God sees you. God sees you. God, God sees you. And so, Father, you, you see these hands. And more importantly, you see these hearts, Lord. You, you see these questions, these doubts, these concerns, and this feeling of, Lord, where am I? And, Lord, here you are in this moment with your hands stretching down into the water, and you're lifting them up. Walk with me and talk with me. Believe in who I am. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. And so, Father, I just pray over each soul here today that they would believe in the Lord, declare you as Lord over their life, and they will be saved. And the second group of people in this room, blessed are the merciful. I challenge you this week because I know it's tough. Trust me, I know it's tough. Like Jordan was saying, I get hangry. I get hangry a lot, normally about 1245 and we're still hanging around church and I'm like yo can we go eat please it's tough but I just want to challenge you let's leave these four walls and let's show our community our state our nation our world who Jesus is and so father every person in this room 
I just pray that you would give the supernatural love, the supernatural ability to know that, man, even though this is happening right now in my life, I'm believing for the truth. Father, I just pray that as every person they encounter, that they would encounter them with love. I just pray whether someone has done them wrong or crossed them or stabbed them in the back or maybe just looked at them the wrong way, that they would give them mercy and say, you know, hey, I just want to get on good terms with you. I just want to talk with you because this is the way the Lord is with me. And I just want to let you know that, man, even though we're all inherently bad people, my God desires mercy, so I give mercy. And so I encourage every person in this room, Lord, for a supernatural awakening to who you are and the way you call us to live our lives. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about Legacy Church and other resources, visit us online at LegacyFamily.info.